How are you feeling today? Pretty good today, actually. Yeah? You feeling back? I mean, I wouldn't Like go, Carling's back. I wouldn't go, like, that far, but... Uh, back back in the podcast game. At, yes. Yes, I can commit to that. True or false? It was slightly aggressive to think that we were going to be able to do two podcasts a week with you fresh out. One week after giving birth? Yes. And with one week old? Uh, I and don't, the pup. And the pup. I would say it was true and extremely aggressive. Touch aggressive. Uh, which tends to be our MO, but lesson learned. The intention is there. But now we have a system in place. A for effort. A f- an effort. We did try to record a few times, to be perfectly honest with you. And one of those two bozos was having their moment. It's just hard to keep you know, them both still at the same time. Yeah, I would agree Unless with that. they want to nap at the same time. Which is unlikely. Which most likely then means you want to nap. Yes. Because one of them or both of them are sleeping on you. Yeah, but this is the facts of life. We've got at a the system house. in place now, and we're ready to ready to get back on the pod. Ready to, you know. So, what are we talking about today on Life in Commune? We are talking about alignment, alignment in yoga poses. Alignment in yoga. So, not like alignment with you know the sun and the moon and the stars, or like with your purpose, but alignment in terms of the actual postures. Yeah. Yeah, but again, if your essence nature alignment is setting yourself up in very particular ways then yes then yes we are we are completely connected there's a crazy siren going on in the background that's why we're being slightly awkward in the moment i don't know if it's going to get recorded on here we're rolling with it we'll anyways. Let it ride. yeah we're letting it ride this is not getting edited out um but yeah so essentially what we want to actually talk about today is something that is so common in modern yoga which is postural alignment and how to do poses mm-hmm. and what that means and all the different ways to do them and what that means and just kind of we want to break that down a little bit for you guys to give you some alternative perspectives on what you should be looking for and also um, maybe a bit more of an opportunity to be in depth with your practice well and i think a good place to start here is with what we mean by alignment in yoga and kind of like where it came from yeah. because alignment based yoga has been i would say the quote-unquote popular style for like the last 15 years now um 10 or 15 years alignment centric yoga has been kind of the up and up style usually in a vinyasa or hatha type world um but what do we really mean by alignment and and typically it means a system of rules of how you're moving your body so usually i think in the yoga a system of rules applied to the way that you posture yourself in each Position. Yeah, each individual asana. So a lot of it stems typically what we're talking about when it you like in air quotes alignment yoga. Most of it's going to stem from Iyengar yoga um, and from lineages that have more precise and precision based alignment rules, as opposed to even say Ashtanga, which doesn't have as many hard and fast rules around alignment. Or power yoga also yeah, doesn't have as many hard certainly. fast rules around um, around alignment. Yeah, so let's say Iyengar is like the initial foray into mm-hmm. alignment yoga that most people would be familiar with. And ways that it got popularized beyond that too, um, systems like Anusara yoga. Yep. And then I was going to say we mm-hmm. hopped into Anusara, then you have things like yoga medicine. Yeah, and, certainly. And just an smart avid, flow yoga. Smart flow, just an, a heavy yoga emphasis. Works. Yoga Sorry, works. I could just go on. <laughs> yeah, a heavy emphasis on anatomy, on mm-hmm. what is happening in the body 
while you are practicing. Yeah, and generally, especially in say Anusara Yoga, there was a, the now defunct Anusara Yoga. I think uh, people still teach it though, so certain, I wouldn't say it's defunct. I don't know. Yeah, I guess I, I don't know. The, know I don't know the like banishment around the the name Anusara. If yeah. people still actually call it. If Anusara. you know, let us yeah. know because we're just interested. Certainly, people still teach the style. I just actually the don't know creator, if they call it. The creator Anusara. doesn't teach it. No, and John Friend has a new style now. It would be like if I didn't teach awakening yoga anymore. But then, well, but hopefully <laughs> yes. on more positive terms. If that were to happen, um, <laughs> not not the great yoga game of two thousand and twelve. Neither here nor there. We don't get into um, people's drama. So, That's not our anyways, game. in Anusara Yoga, there was or is uh, what was called the universal principles of alignment. So, mm-hmm. uh, this is, I think, a good example of where oftentimes these rules were applied blanketed across practitioner. So, in any given classroom, the expectation is that we're all working towards the same set of alignment aesthetic goals. Which is very traditional amongst all yoga poses and practices. And I think it's something that's very subconscious in all of us, um, which is, especially when you're new to the practice, you're visualizing a pose in your head that you are trying to do. And most of the time, unless you've like taken a million pictures of yourself in that pose or watch yourself on video, it is not your actual body that you are picturing. Oh no, you, you have a vision of what you think a posture looks like. And from somebody some, else. Something you've seen. From something you've seen. Yeah. 100%. We don't do a great job at like usually seeing ourselves clearly anyways. Yeah. It's a difficult task. And especially when you're working on something new, we all have the tendency, it's very natural, to just want to know if we're doing it right. Just tell me what to do. Someone yes. help me. I just want it to do this right. I don't want to be the only person in this class that's doing it quote unquote wrong, even though in reality, what is wrong? Mean? What is wrong? But what is wrong anyway? But that's like the number one question I feel like get from new students. And when I teach fundamentals or beginners is, am I doing this right? Exactly. And it's sort of heartbreaking because what does that mean? But at the same time, I totally understand having gone through many disciplines myself and been a beginner, like we talked about in our beginner podcast episode, that wanting to just fit in and understand what you're doing and make progress is such a natural thing. And that's where alignment, I think, gets people. Because it makes us feel like I'm doing it right or I'm doing it wrong. I also think that, just to add on top of that, it's slightly complicated just because there is a yes or no answer. And there also is an it depends answer. And that's what we're going to try and tap into in this podcast. Yes. So alignment yoga, I mean, what's it used for? It's used to to adhere to a certain system but also i think uh more recently in group classes alignment yoga is also used to help try to speak to as many people as possible at once right because you can't talk to all 30 people or how many people so alignment rules are generally kind of cued to try to mitigate uh the general population or or mitigate risk in kind of a negative like nocebo language it's to keep everyone kind of on the same page I think keeping everyone on the same page is the main goal when it comes to alignment-based practices because I think I've said this in many podcasts before or in trainings, I feel like I say this all the time, but in case you haven't heard it yet, yoga is much bigger than it's ever been before, which is amazing, mm-hmm. but it also is much more casual. Yes. And what that means is that you have a wider variety of students in every single class. Like if at your studio, if you're a teacher or a practitioner, you probably notice this, there could be a class on the schedule that's called advanced. Mm-hmm. And everybody comes to advanced. And everybody also comes to level two mm-hmm. or level one. They come at the time that fits 
on their schedule. Or the teacher they like. Or the teacher there, they I mean, they there like. are many students that don't even look at the schedule. They just know there's a class at 5.30 and they go at 5.30. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what that class yeah. is. Yeah, it's why we don't use any levels besides a very specific beginner-focused class at mm-hmm. Commune because level 1, 1. 1.5, 2.5, I mean, what does that really does mean? That mean? And who's qualified to decide? And also, people are just going to show up when they want to show up because they want to practice. Exactly. So. so, with that being said, you also have people kind of bouncing studio to studio to studio and certain poses mean different things at other spaces and and I'm, I'm even talking about like the traditional stuff like if someone comes from a Bikram practice into a vinyasa practice and then you say triangle, triangle they think it's a different pose right so you can always spot them you can exactly right <laughs> like that's not the triangle i was talking about <laughs> yeah. but so this is where a lot of this alignment stuff comes in and it helps regulate the experience especially in a bigger class environment yeah absolutely how do you use alignment in your own practice personally yeah personally i mean i think it's changed over the years Mm -hmm. certainly i have spent many years of my practice in a really alignment focused um modality where i i really did truly believe that there were specific rules right and wrong and so i tried to adhere to those in my practice and but mostly back then i used it um unfortunately kind of like out of fear that if i didn't adhere to these rules or do it one it wouldn't be right which is kind of a perfectionist a little bit sucks to not be right um (laughs) that never feels good and so (laughs) wanted to be right um and two i wanted to mitigate risk so i wanted to prevent injury so i was you know uh, under the impression at the time that if I didn't do it this way, I could hurt myself. That the only way to stay safe was to do it within these alignment rules, that they were there for safety as well. And so a lot of times I fall. If you ever stepped out of that box, if you ever oh, colored outside of the lines. Oh, if that foot ever touched the inside of your knee in tree pose, that's it. Oh, the knee is gone. The knee is gone, every ligament. And, and so, you know, it's like, I think a lot of it was, it's a lot of force, a lot of lateral force. Um, a lot of it was out of fear, was trying to keep myself safe and well-intentioned, not like, yeah, oh, dear totally. God, what's going to happen? Yeah. But, oh, this is the safest way to practice. So I used it that way in my own practice and in, at that time in my teaching as well, wanting to keep my students safe. I think one of the things that is always so interesting about yoga is that it is um, used for so many different things. And one of those things is a supplemental activity to improve your health and wellness. Mm-hmm. And because of that, sometimes there is an overarching theme of safety that is uh, very focused upon. And again, I'm all for practicing safe completely and listening to your body and understanding that, but I think it's more complicated than alignment, which again, we'll eventually get to. You know what's funny? And I wish I would have saved the research study that I just read like two days ago, because I have a lot of time right now scrolling on my phone while- Researching. While while researching and while breastfeeding. Uh, because you can only stare at that cute little face so many hours a day, Um, was a study on how many injuries are occurring in, say, yoga versus other exercise modalities. And I I don't want to butcher this, but I want to say, like, for example, it's six out of every 1,000 practitioners in this study, it's, like, resulted in injury. So it's not that the number didn't exist, but in yoga, we get hyper-focused on safety oftentimes, Mm -hmm. and I think every industry has this same conversation. But... So well, yes, I don't think so. I don't think in sports your focus is on. Oh, I mean like exercise. In, I mean like you own a studio, you own a boutique fitness thing, and you, like in sports, it's not the liability thing that it is. Like you own a, sure. a Pilates, in, a Barry's in boot adult camp. athletics. In adult athletics, there's a liability risk, and so that's why I think injury is such a conversation. For the record, we refer to adult athletics as any sort of physical thing that you're doing that is not involved in a sports 
train. Yeah, like, competitive like sports Competitive kind of sports thing. train. Um, you know, like like you're striving to be a pro. Yeah, like you're a casual CrossFitter or yeah, that's you're, you're an adult athletic. Yeah. So, um, but let's just say, for example, it was six out of a thousand practitioners um, at an entry, which the number, if you look at it raw, is like, oh, well, people are still getting hurt in yoga, which is confusing because it's health and wellness. And mm-hmm. so why is injury happening in something that's supposed to make you feel better? So that's where that gets messy. But when you compare that number to, to almost every other exercise modality, the number is actually really low for yoga. Yeah. So we've talked about this before. Like you go to a, an F45 class and you look around and you think somebody's getting hurt in here today. <laughs> oh but, you know, and you look around a yoga class and it's easy to, it, you, it, you certainly you could project the same idea, but from this study, and it's just one study, but statistically it's, the rates are much lower than we like to talk about when everyone gets all phobic about, about injury in the yoga world. Yeah, it, it just comes with the territory. Yeah. And not to belittle anybody's experience, you've gotten hurt in yoga. Oh, certainly. I was practice next to you when it happened. Um, you know, we've been fortunate enough to not have too many injuries. I know I, for one, had um, a long period of time, and even in my whole life where I've dealt with back spasms. Mm-hmm. And so like yoga definitely flared them up a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's something I've learned to work through. But so has rolling out of bed. Yes. So, you know, toss up. <laughs> I have not got a back spasm rolling out of bed. That is actually not true. I've gotten a back spasm and then not been able to roll out of bed. Oh, in my memory, it but... happened when you were getting out <laughs> no. of bed. <laughs> no. In my memory. Oh, my gosh. Throwing me under the bus. Um, so for me in my own practice, I use anatomy or alignment as something to help me focus in on what I'm actively trying to work through in that given practice. And I would say that is the same for my teaching as well. So you're, so uh, it contrasts to what I said when, when I was using alignment more heavily in the traditional terms as like a set of rigid rules, what you're saying is that you apply it much more fluidly. I think you kind of always have, but, but uh, I've always been much more fluid about yes. it. Um, and I've, I've always looked at it in a little bit of a different light than you. Mm-hmm. I think that's, totally. that's, that's really interesting. Very true. Um, but yeah, I think that, again, the way you're positioning yourself every single day is volatile. And I don't think that's like the exact correct word, but it's ever changing. You're mm-hmm. ever evolving. And the way that you want to present yourself, some days it's a bit more aggressive. Some days it's a bit more passive. Some days it's a bit more energetic. Some days it's a bit more tame and, mm-hmm. you know, every other adjective that you could possibly throw out there. Uh, and so beginning to embrace that. That for me comes from how you set up your your body in space. So the way I think about uh, setting up poses is it's a presentation of yourself in that specific position, and you're trying to understand um, why your body feels good in that type of position and how or why it struggles. And that's mm-hmm. and I think that applies directly to life. Like we're all put into various situations every single day. Based on those situations, you try and be as confident, comfortable, and successful in the situations you put yourself in as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And that's really the same thing for me with poses, right? And so when I'm thinking about alignment, it's not based on any one particular structure, of course, especially with a yoga pose. There's a concept, an idea around it that I'm always trying to honor. Yeah, there's a baseline. There's a baseline, right? Like warrior two is warrior two. There's like a wireframe for everything. Like everything has a wireframe, but what you do from there is where the alignment starts to differ. Yes, exactly. And and that's where I really think that nuance comes into Mm -hmm. play. And nuance is something in my teaching that I really like to explore because I think it gives people um, the opportunity to have their own experience that's unique from everybody else. And I think 
that is really important. So what do you think about right now? There's, like I said, alignment yoga has been such a big part of popular mainstream yoga for the last 10 to 15 years, whatever popular mainstream yoga means. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about currently? I feel like in the last couple of years, there's, we've had this push, this movement towards quote unquote alignment doesn't matter. And yes. so what does that say to you? Like, what do you think of when, when you say alignment doesn't matter? Well, I think of it as, as two things. For one, um, I believe that at some level, the poses speak for themselves. I like that. Right? At, at some level, the poses put together in a proper sequence at a proper pace for your body at that given time will give you a feeling and an effect that allows you to just feel better, to have mm-hmm. that little yoga euphoria yeah. moment. When alignment gets a bit overemphasized sometimes to me it feels like the practice can be over intellectualized Mm -hmm. which can then make it more about thinking and processing and always trying to um, perfect or hone in and you can lose that feeling and that experience I think it's hard it's a fine line between using say alignment and hyper like bringing attention to specific things to quiet out the rest of your mind and going the other direction and bringing up so many specifics that your brain goes way into that like heavy chitta vritti territory. Yeah. Like how do you really, if you're throwing a million things out there, how can anyone ever settle and actually quiet? But I think it can go either way. I think that's fair. Exactly. And again, if you're in warrior two, and again, just a random throw out their pose with your right foot forward and you're like really worried about the height of your left shoulder, like should it be like one inch higher or one inch lower? You're worried about the wrong thing. Yeah, and at the end, in my opinion, yes, I think that's fair. And I think with with any asana focused class, it's really easy to get hyper um, focused on the physical. What exactly is this muscle doing? Is this? Is this? Is this? And it's not to say that that is wrong or incorrect or bad. I just think it's interesting to notice how quickly we go right there uh, and kind of lose sight of the bigger picture. Completely. I think. I think when you're Again, when you're setting up your poses in your practices, or at least for me when I'm teaching, one of the things that I really try and cue for when I'm using alignment-based terms or anatomical-based terms is helping people pay attention to a specific theme, thing, theme, or idea. Sure, yeah. And if you can help people lock into that, then it gives them the opportunity to find a sense of freedom in other parts of the practice. Well, and it's like I think of it as sort of giving them a little direction for inquiry rather than saying this, that, and the other is correct, this, that, and the other is incorrect, or do this, not that. It's Instead of that, it's more, what about this? How does this feel? What does that do for you? Because then the practice is about them and not about me as a teacher imposing my own external expectations on them. Imposing your rule of law. My rule of law. Teacher-student relationship. <laughs> I mean, like, what do you, when you think of, because uh, these terms get thrown around a lot, and especially, say, on the internet, on Instagram, you see those posts that there's two versions of a pose, and one has a red X on it, and one has a green check mark. Both are usually And usually wrong. both are very questionable. <laughs> um, but, but, so there's this connotation that one is good, one is bad. One yeah. is right, one is wrong. What do you think of, like, what to you is good alignment, and what to you is bad alignment? Uh, like I have my thoughts, but what you, I actually have never asked you. Yeah. Oh, I, I think awareness yeah. is, is what creates good or good or bad alignment. Mm-hmm. Like if you know that your right knee is a little bit to the inside of your right hip in Warrior Two, and you're aware that that is happening, I think that, And it feels okay. <laughs> and, it, and life goes on. Like I think that is, that is life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because 
again at the, at the end of the day like are you going to get hurt in warrior two I've, I've taught a lot of Warrior 2s in a lot of different places. I can't say I've seen anybody get hurt in Warrior 2. If you've gotten hurt in Warrior 2, I'm sorry. I, think, I don't mean to belittle no, your experience. No, I think that those but, kinds but of things are like, how long are you holding it for? Yeah. What are you doing while you're there? Yeah. What are you not? Like, it's yeah. so, it's just like... Yeah, so awareness and connectivity mm-hmm. to me is what really creates good alignment. Like, I think yeah. if you, if you're actively know, you know what you're trying to accomplish in that specific position, it gives you... Um, a lot more freedom to just be, um, you know, to, to be exploring as opposed to, you know, just trying to set yourself up in a specific way because the person next to you does or the mm-hmm. teacher says it. Yeah. What about for you? Yeah. I mean, I think of, so it's easiest for me to, I think, define bad alignment before yeah. good alignment. Like to me, oh, for sure. bad alignment is really just anything that your body's not prepared for. Right? Like bad alignment would be doing something that your body is not prepared for, whether that's within the quote unquote good or traditional alignment rules, rules in quotations or not. Anything that you are not prepared for or haven't prepared your body, your mind, your practice for, I think, yeah, that's that's questionable, like to go beyond your means, beyond what you're prepared for. But, but bad, it's just like, what's the point? Like, what's the point for you? And when I think of good, it's the same question is what's the point? Like, why am I doing what I'm doing? It's the same as your awareness answer. Like literally just understanding why am I choosing this? Am I choosing this because I want to adhere to the rules and the alignment dictation? Or or, or even am I making a choice? Or am I just doing something like... Yeah. But I'm saying because I've done it before, like my brain is just splattering out my body to be positioned in this specific way. Like, this is not to say that if you or if anyone is following strict alignment rules in their school of yoga in their lineage i i'm not saying that there's no such thing as good alignment in that but i think having an awareness of why you're choosing to do what you do is really important if it's really important to you to adhere to the alignment rules of the lineage of yoga you practice then that's perfectly good reason to do it mm-hmm. i mean there might be other things that come up along the way but that's a good reason to do it it's a good reason to do it for your for, motivation for, and for that time in your life but if you're just doing it because you've never thought twice about it then that's less of a helpful reason in my mind. But if you're changing your alignment because you want to have more novel movement or exploration or you're working through something, then that's equally as good of alignment. It's just different because you have a different goal. Yeah, I think this really speaks to like having a variance in the poses that you practice. I think one of the biggest benefits to my own experience as a yoga practitioner is that I've studied in many different styles of yoga and they all have different ways and things um, that help them set up the mission that they're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And when you get that bigger perspective, I think what it allows you to do is understand the importance of each variance and understand that um, there's an opportunity to keep a pose evolving, right? Because yoga is so repetitive in its nature and we always in our awakening yoga try and turn that repetition into ritual Mm -hmm. so that it means a bit more to you. But but one of the things I think is really, really important is to keep your poses evolving because what that allows you to do is understand that you're different every single day well and novelty is quite literally good for your brain and good for your body that variance is really important so that we are continuing to create new connections and to explore different things and to also just remind ourselves that if we always do something the same way we will always do that thing the same way Mm -hmm. right so it's just like if we're always but just to tap onto that really quick if you're in like a good practicing zone Mm -hmm. quote unquote right like you're 
your you practice 90 days in a row or something like mm-hmm. that. Like you're just in a good habit, good routine versus if you're in a vacation mode, right? Yeah. Where you haven't been doing very much yeah. stuff, right? Your poses will be different. The, the person that's been practicing for 90 days mm-hmm. straight versus the person that's practicing once a month, yeah. right? Like your poses will be different. So if you try and apply the exact same alignment to yourself mm-hmm. in these two different states of being, your comfort level is going to be dramatically different and your capability is going to be very different. And I think that is something um, that I really believe in that I think is important to become aware of and really focus on. Yeah, uh, I mean, expecting you yourself to be the same all the time is yes. un- unreasonable. Very uh, unreasonable. And so I, I think that there's two schools of thought, right? There's kind of the Ashtanga school of thought where it's like, well, we're ever evolving. So if I paint the same, you paint with the same paintbrush all the time, it should reveal more, right? Yeah. Because then I'm trying to fit into this box and why don't I fit today and why did I yesterday yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then there's the other school of thought that I'm ever evolving. So why would I do the paint with the same paintbrush? Why wouldn't I get something else? Yeah. Um, and I'm, I think that both have valuable merits, but I just think it's really interesting Um, because I think we get stuck a lot of times in this idea that just because this practice is ritualistic, that it always must be exactly the same. Yeah. I think both have, sorry to cut you off, I think that both have valuable merits Mm -hmm. if you learn to pay attention. Mm -hmm. I think that's a big Again, it's back to the awareness. It's 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 the if and the why. Yes. So that it's a conscious decision or an inquiry, a self-study, instead of just a, this is what I do. Yeah. Like, oh, I just do this. Mm-hmm. Well, if you just do this, if you just do lotus pose, or you try and do lotus pose forever and ever and ever, mm-hmm. and the way your femur plugs into your hip socket does not help you with external rotation of the femur head, mm-hmm. you are going to bend at your knee or at your ankle. Well, something's, something's going to give. Something's going to give somewhere else, and it will not be at the femur head in the hip socket uh, yeah. because that there is a lot that in that space there is a lot of bone on bone resistance. Well, I mean, the body is pretty good at like, oh, we want to do this thing. All right, well, we'll it's figure out a way you. to it's do it. We'll find do it, right? the path of the least same. resistance, which tends to be, let's say, the knee joint or yeah. the ankle. Yeah. Um, something that does have more variability in that way. And it, but if you aren't paying attention to why you're doing what you're doing, it's really easy to miss those cues and those mm-hmm. signs. Um, and that information input that would otherwise be be giving you more guidance along the way. Exactly, and I think so. I think that's really what it comes down to is is owning your own experience mm-hmm. when you're on the mat, especially like practice with good experienced teachers. Like that, they're going to help you out. But just know that the advice that they're giving you on alignment is always going to be jaded towards their own experience, mm-hmm. right? And their own studying what they've what they've <laughs> What's had important to them. Yeah, what they've had reinforcement in, what they were raised up in, and all of that is going to be passed along to you, yeah. you know, subconsciously so or consciously. Absorb. Yeah, so you absorb. But then I think the approach that certainly we take in what we're given, but then we do have to eventually make decisions for ourselves. And I think that's when you get to kind of the advanced practices when you realize, okay, this works, this doesn't. Why? And then you make choices along the way. Mm-hmm. Completely. So if you're a new practitioner, the number one thing I would recommend doing is learn the alignment of a certain studio mm-hmm. or system and and just keep it in that foundation for a little bit so that you actually gain some perspective on what that means for you. Oh, so you're saying do the thing. Do the thing. It's like learn the rules before you break them. Exactly. Yeah. Like do the thing. Like you got to do the thing. You can't give have a perspective on something until you do the thing. I think we talked about this a little bit when I was talking about my experience with Ashtanga in one of our mm-hmm. past episodes where it's like 
parts of Ashtanga, I'm awesome at. <laughs> and then other parts, I am incompetent, mm-hmm. right? And that's just the way my body is built. That's mm-hmm. the way like the structure of my physical system moves. But you wouldn't have learned that if you'd never experienced it. I wouldn't it. have learned that if I didn't go through the process. Well, yeah, there's a, there's a lot that can be gleaned from from a little bit of rigidity in that yeah. way. Um, and I think when, as teachers, we go the full end of the spectrum where it's like alignment doesn't mean anything, just do what you want, just do what feels good, yeah. whatever. It's not to say that that isn't one valuable perspective, but I think for especially newer students, it's a really confusing place to be. Really because confusing. Because do what feels good, the constant trope of listen to your body, which I, I say to, but listen to your body means nothing if you haven't had time to actually develop a relationship with your body. Exactly. So if you are disassociated and you don't know what that means, you have no frame of reference, then a teacher telling you to do what feels good, well, how do I know what feels good exactly you have to start that conversation mm-hmm. with yourself yeah and, and and really explore you have to sit with some of those positions mm-hmm. do you know what I mean I think that what, an interesting thing that you could probably share here is that for a really long time in your practice and, and how you got injured in yoga mm-hmm. the same thing happened to you twice yeah you got, <laughs> you got injured in yoga because you thought you had long hamstrings but really you had long arms so go ahead and tell that. Well, I mean, it's true. I I spent a lot of time being, let's call it praised, in yoga class for like, oh, you're quite flexible. And in poses like Paschimottanasana and things like that, it's like, oh, you get to your feet, no problem. Here, slide a block in your hands. Mm-hmm. Put a block at the end of your feet. Like, wow, look how flexible your forward folds are. And sure, I have a space in my body, <laughs> but... I didn't have the self-inquiry or keen eye on my own practice, my own body, nor was I getting a feedback from teachers that it wasn't that my hamstrings were super flexible, it's that my arms are crazy long. I have really, really, like the arms of how tall would I need to be to have the right? Uh, you are five foot four with a five, seven and a half. Right? Wingspan. So I have a, a very- According to our last measurements, yeah. you somehow bumped up a half inch in height. That's true. I have grown recently um, from <laughs> eight to five four. But so I have a really big ape index, which is the measurement of your yeah. arms versus your height. So great for rock climbing, mm. great for boxing, yeah. um, and great for catching binds. And catching binds, right? And great for easily touching the ground, touching your toes, reaching past and my getting, feet. And uh, getting Vashi 2 too early, and which is what happens. And hooking the big toe in Vashi 2 and um, uh, Panagustasana. So... It was this false positive where I thought I was really flexible in certain areas that were actually, instead of being, not only were they not particularly flexible, but not strong, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't have stability, um, integration, or as much flexibility as I thought in the back line of my body. I just had proportions that gave the illusion that I was hitting these appropriate alignment cues and that I was progressing through an alignment-based practice because I could accomplish the goal. Exactly. You could quote unquote do it. I could do it. So it was like, yeah, okay, Vashistasana too. I will grab the big toe and I will strain my hamstring, mm-hmm. right? Because just because I could get it there, I wasn't prepared, right? It was bad alignment because I wasn't prepared to do the thing. Mm-hmm. But there was an aesthetic reinforcement that I was doing it right. Yeah. And that it looked good. Exactly. Because you were getting the big toe and pulling it up above mm-hmm. your shoulder. Again, in case you guys don't know, Vashi 2 or Vashistasana 2 is a variation of side plank where you have let's say you're left-handed out of your left foot down or left big toe down and you're catching the other foot Mm -hmm. and taking it as far above your head as possible. Right. So, I mean, it's just one example of where alignment actually really led me astray Mm -hmm. because I was accomplishing these tasks based on the aesthetics and based on the, let's call them superficial cues being provided by teachers, but I wasn't 
actually inquiring as to why I could accomplish these tasks. Exactly. Which and is, it wasn't the teacher's fault no, 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 for that no, no, happening. No. But, but in retrospect, how much more interesting is it to inquire how and why you get somewhere rather than just, okay, now I'm here. Exactly. Right? It's kind of like the whole, it's the, the journey, not the destination, which is like, I feel yeah. like a big, I know, right? A big trope in yoga already. <laughs> but then we go ahead and we praise just the destination over and over and over again with alignment rules that at the end of the day, a lot of times uh, they feel good as a teacher because then you can look around the room and say, ah, everyone's in warrior too. Yeah. Looks good. Like everyone looks safe. Exactly. Um, when we don't really know any of that stuff. And it's not to say it's safe or not, but it's that I don't know what you're feeling or what inquiry you're doing unless I ask you to do it. Mm-hmm. And even then, I still don't know. It's not my job to hear that. But if I'm just cueing based on alignment and aesthetics, um, I think it gives us as teachers and students false positives. And when you use those false positives over and over and over again in this repetitious nature of the practice, that's where the instability or the safety concerns can come from. Certainly, right. right? So again, you guys, especially for new people, um, because we have a lot of new people listening to this podcast, mm-hmm. and so we get a bunch of questions around that. Um, when you're newer to the experience, please know that for the most part, in the in the basic postures, you're all right. Yeah, you know what, you know it's what I mean? Gonna like, be okay. like it's gonna be okay. It, alignment and a, a lot more of this body awareness stuff. Alignment, I think, is really important in the beginning, like I've said, because it's going to help you build the f- initial framework of your practice. Well, and just how do I get there? What how, am I? Yeah. Do, what am I doing? How am I? How am I meandering around this yeah. this rectangle space? Yeah, like you know? I'm just trying to figure it out. Exactly, and and a lot being more aware of your body and how you're setting things up becomes much more important when you're doing a bit more complicated yeah. things and because the there needs progresses. to be a bit more precision yeah. involved in the process. Yeah, and it's just. It's this fine line between, okay, what, how, what's the structure of this? What's the wireframe? What am I trying to do? And then, okay, and then how does that feel? Because mm-hmm. when you adhere to a quote-unquote system of alignment, like Patrick said, especially when you're starting, it's not to say that you should adhere to it um, in like a no-holds-barred no kind of way of like, I will do everything told to me even if it doesn't feel good, even if it feels yeah. scary or injurious. It's just to say, okay, see, see what the framework is, and then that's where you inquire how you fit within it. Completely. I mean, I remember the first time um, when I was practicing and I, when we were doing triangle pose, uh, the teacher was trying to have a straighten our front leg and I couldn't straighten my front leg at all. You're like, I am trying. Um, but it was because of the lack of flexibility in the top of my foot before even my hamstring. Yeah. Meaning that because like I broke both of my feet um, in college playing basketball. So... That, that literally like the, the my, scar tissue you had a ton of, scar, ton of scar, tissue. scar tissue right and so like that was the first limitation like my first limitation to straightening my leg to get to quote unquote good alignment was not my hamstring flexibility mm-hmm. it was first my the top of my foot mm-hmm. like it was it was at such a limited range yeah um and so again at first I was like, super bummed about it, but then that gave me like a bit of perspective mm-hmm. as to like, oh, like what I really need to work through before getting towards triangle pose is like a nice virasana or vajrasana. Yeah, which for a long time meant rolling up a blanket, putting it underneath your ankles, finding, uh, exactly. so filling in the gaps a little bit until yeah. that space opened up. Crying. Crying. Some tears here and there. Just, you know, <laughs> tears of joy, but also just, basic just like working through And again, not like, not like crying through pain, but just the, just, the let it, the getting things to loosen up a little bit. Yeah. It's 
you know what I mean if you've done a bit more of this stuff. It's not like like pushing myself to like the, no, the but there's some bitter process end, but, to but it. But just like there's a process to like oh my gosh, like it's like a, like a warm sensation or like a like a burning but not like a hurting sensation. I don't know what to say about it. It's just it's just one of those things that uh, you know if you like started your practice with a lot of stiffness. Well, in you're your trying body. to move things around. Exactly. You're trying to make make changes in your body, which is gonna put you somewhere on the spectrum of sensation, yeah. right? And and where you are on that spectrum, that's where the inquiry comes in, so you can actually figure out if you're in a good place or a, or a not-so-good place. Yeah. 30-second summary of this episode. All right, number one, what is alignment yoga? And alignment yoga is really just a system of guidelines or a set of rules that center around either the aesthetics or the goals of a certain style of practice. So, so what are you doing, why, and how? And oftentimes this comes from, say, Iyengar yoga, which quick anecdote that uh, my understanding is that some of the rules in Iyengar yoga actually just came from Iyengar standing in front of a mirror and doing the postures and when he would put his body and his limbs in certain places he said he would feel a ping of energy and then he would write it down and that's how, and that's how, right. and that's how he knew it was right and that's how a new rule would be born yeah. so things to keep in mind when you're following rules <laughs> <laughs> number two make sure that you are being aware in your practice so give yourself the opportunity to pay attention, to focus, and to hone in. So no matter what, you're building a perspective as to what uh, that specific alignment that you're being taught that day is doing for you or not doing for you. Mm-hmm. And then understanding how you can play or position your body in such a way that you're getting what you want out of the posture. Mm-hmm. Number three. Number three, how do we use it in our teaching, and our practices? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think that one of the best pieces of advice I can give is to use it fluidly, yeah. right? To inquire and to learn the rules and break the rules. Mm-hmm. And to help uh, yourself and students pay attention. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Again, I can't uh, hone in on this enough. People, including us, everybody in the world is a terrible listener. Yeah, like especially when you're ter- trying to move your body at the same terrible, time. Terrible, terrible, terrible It's a terrible lot of listener. input. Yeah. If, if, if you're a teacher out there and you really, really, really want to test your students this is the simplest test tell them to lift their right leg in downward facing dog and bend their left leg and just see what happens literally just see what happens just just so you get a perspective how much autopilot's going on on on, on how how good people are at listening right so give yourself the opportunity to listen uh both on the verbal cues and within yourself and allow um the opportunity to be more honed in be more um in the moment be more present be more clear mm-hmm. yeah. um and then what what approach do i mean from our perspective do we think is really helpful with alignment and both of us are going to say variance so i think variance uh, is great i also think really beginning to tap into what really works for you and being honest yeah when and why and Mm -hmm. so that you have a set of tools in your toolbox for different situations for different practices different styles so that you are learning about your body along the way and making decisions based on your own unique body not just based on a set of rules and guidelines that may or may not work for you yeah usually you don't know until you try them and then you, you learn a little more exactly Keep learning along the way. Have an amazing day, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. We will have um, another podcast soon. Oh, but we will also have lots of things coming up, like in-person teaching and places where you can find us. 
a lot of that is happening. A lot of that. So the next places that you can find us um, are in London at Indaba Yoga for an inversion intensive in October. I'm going Edinburgh. backwards, aren't I? Yeah, you are going yeah, backwards. Okay, go on. First, it's Edinburgh, end of September, followed by Amsterdam, first weekend of October, followed by Dublin. I think I messed that one up. I think Dublin yeah. is first. Dublin is first. So it's Edinburgh, Dublin, Amsterdam, London. Yes. That is end of September through mid-October. We yeah. will be out there. So um, starting with the Scottish Yoga Conference, yeah. it'll be a fun place to, to kind of begin that Europe trip. And yeah. Harvey's first trip abroad. Yeah. Your little babe passport. <laughs> Three months in. See how Here it goes. we go. Yeah. yeah. We'll let you know how all that goes. Also, our 200-hour teacher training program in Seattle, February 1st through 16th, mm -hmm. is now open for registration. Yes. Yeah, so you can find more information on communeyoga.com or on any of our websites, patrickbeach.com. Uh, and get all the details and the application there as well. Yeah, we hope to uh, practice with you all in person soon. Have an amazing day.